Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Crescent Podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving week last week for any who celebrate Thanksgiving. It's good to be back. I definitely needed some of that time off to rest and restore, but I'm so excited going into December. I feel like so excited to sink into the slowness and the coziness of this month. I know for a lot of people, it's actually very hectic. But for me, I think especially because I don't have kids, that's a big, big factor here. December tends to be a bit of a slower month. And right now, that is what I so, so deeply am looking forward to. I also always get excited for end of the year, start of a new year. I love New Year's reflections, looking back over the last year, looking forward to the year to come. It is truly one of my most favorite times of life is getting to have those moments. And so I'm really, really looking forward to that. And Diana and I in the Curiosity and Carencia segment of the podcast, we're actually going to be having a couple conversations in December around New Year's and resolutions, not so much resolutions, but more around our dreams, our lifelong dreams, and what are the dreams that we let go of, maybe as children or as young adults, and what are the dreams that we're starting to pursue now, what has helped us overcome the barriers to pursuing those dreams, and so much more. I cannot wait for those conversations. But getting into today's episode, today I wanted to talk about the nervous system again. I have been talking about it a lot this year and it's because I have been learning so, so much about it and have seen just how helpful it is for me and my own life and my own healing journey, but also for clients being able to understand the nervous system, how trauma affects the nervous system, how our nervous system is affecting literally every function in our body. And as we, as we get to know our own nervous system states better and better, it opens up the door for us to make much more informed and intentional decisions about the tools we can bring in, the modalities we can use to support nervous system rebalancing. And so that's what I want to talk about today and will be a big focus of this is helping each of us identify what are the nervous system states that I am most often in. And that's either the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Which of those states am I most often in? And then I want to share some tools to, once we identify what state we're most often in, here are the tools that are going to be really supportive for that specific nervous system state. But what I want to start with is how do you know your nervous system is dysregulated? And this is a big, big question. And there's a lot of different potential signs and symptoms that your nervous system is dysregulated. Some of the more common ones are you feel just in general, super, super overwhelmed. The smallest tasks feel overwhelming to you. You get really easily frustrated or irritated with people. You have a very, very short patience. Another sign is that stimuli are very, what's the word here, triggering or activating for you. So maybe a repetitive noise going on in the background, maybe someone patting your shoulder or like scratching your arm. Um, 
really intense smells might be super, super offensive to your brain and your body. Those are signs that your nervous system is dysregulated. But also on the flip side of that are more of those signs connected with the freeze fawn response, which is you feel just generally numb or you feel like you're stuck in a neutral place. Like it's really hard for you to experience either high, high emotions or low, low emotions. You're just always in neutral. Another one is that you have a very hard time tuning into bodily sensations. You're, you almost feel numb to your own body. And just a few other broad signs are insomnia, chronic fatigue, poor memory. Oftentimes when we're super dysregulated, we even start to struggle with things like stuttering. We're forgetting words a lot, attention issues, but also things like chronic hormone imbalances, depression, anxiety, a really, really poor immunity, chronic digestive issues. The list goes on and on. So there's certainly quite a few, but if any of those feel like they're ringing a bell for you, definitely could be a sign that your nervous system is dysregulated. Something else I want to touch on here before getting into it too much further is I want to talk about the nervous system in relation to the window of tolerance. So the window of tolerance is a term that describes a person's ability to stay in a regulated state. And in a regulated state, we feel calm, we feel safe, we feel able to manage and control our thoughts, our feelings. We feel very in control of ourselves. We feel like we can think clearly and make decisions. And what the window of tolerance represents is how big is that area of stimuli and stressors that your body and brain are able to manage and still maintain that internal regulation, still maintain that sense of calm and composure. And certainly we all have come into this world with varying degrees of a window of tolerance, but it is well documented that adverse experiences, traumatic experiences can significantly lower our window of tolerance, which means that it takes far fewer stressors. It takes far fewer stimuli to throw us out of that window of tolerance. And what happens when we're out of that window of tolerance? That is when we go into a stressed state. And I think we're all very common with the four stress states, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And I'm going to get into all of these a bit later, but I want to point out one more thing about trauma and how it affects the window of tolerance. So number one, it can narrow our window of tolerance. So our patients, our ability to manage stressors while staying in a place of calm and composure is significantly narrowed. But the second part that I really want to hone in on here, because this is really, really big, and I see this often with clients, is not only are we thrown out of our window of tolerance faster, we also remain out of that window of tolerance. We remain in a stressed state much, much longer. So for example, someone who maybe has a wider window of tolerance and hasn't experienced too much trauma or has done a bunch of healing work to rebalance the nervous system, they might be able to have a really wide window of tolerance and deal with a wide variety of stressors throughout life. But then something happens, it throws them out of their window of tolerance and they go into a stress state. That person though, with a healthy nervous system, will be able to probably within 
a few minutes to a few hours, depending on what the experience was, of course, be able to return to that place of calm and composure. So ideally, when we experience a stressor, once that stressor is gone or is no longer present, a healthy nervous system would allow us to be able to return to calm and composure very, very quickly once the stressor is no longer part of our environment. So for example, let's say you almost hit the car in front of you as you're driving to work. A regulated nervous system, you'd be able to go, whoo, okay, that was scary, that almost happened. And then within a couple minutes, be able to go, okay, but that threat is over. Now I can return to safety and calm. Someone who has a dysregulated nervous system because of past experiences, because of a number of different things, might almost hit the car in front of them and then find that they continue to remain in any kind of stress state for minutes, hours, sometimes even days. They stay in that stress state and their body is not able to bring them back to equilibrium. And so these are two really, really key things and something that you can look at your life and and ask that question. Number one, do I get do I feel like I get thrown into a stress state really easily? It doesn't take much to get me anxious, angry, fearful, shut down, any number of those things. And then number two, when I do get into one of those states, how long am I in that state? Or how long does it take me to regain my sense of peace, calm, and safety again? And just speaking for myself, I know that there have been phases in my life where I truly, truly would be in, for example, the stress state of like dissociation for weeks, weeks. And that's a really scary place to be, especially with the dissociation, because you just feel so checked out from life. (laughs) And so that's just an example, though, that we, our body can remain in these stressed states for a long, long, long time. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand how that can be negatively impacting our lives in such a clear way. For example, when we are chronically anxious, that is affecting our digestion. That is affecting our processing, our memory, our speech, our hormones. And the same is true of vice versa. If we are in states of hypoarousal, which again, I'll get into in a second, depression, dissociation, fatigue, all of these things are impacting the way that we care for ourselves, the way we care for the people in our lives, the way we show up in our lives, in social settings, in professional settings. So we have got to, (laughs) we have got to do the deeper work to first assess What are the states I'm in most often? And what are the deeper root causes to this nervous system dysregulation? And can we start to chisel away at some of those to regain a broader window of tolerance and a nervous system that is able to regulate itself with so much more efficiency? Okay, so I want to get into the different stressed states. So again, as we mentioned before, we're probably most familiar with the fight, flight, freeze, fawn states. The four of these are separated into two different categories. So fight and flight responses 
are what are known as hyperarousal states. This is when it's like we're we're woken up. We're like exactly as the word suggests, we are hyper aroused. Now, I don't love that word aroused. It gives kind of weird feelings sometimes, but that is the official definition, <laughs> the official word. So we're going to stick with it. Freeze and fawn are what are known as hypo arousal, meaning we're below a normal state of arousal. We're like subdued. And for anyone who experiences things like depression, like dissociation and lethargy, you'll know that that is exactly what that state feels like. Like I just can't get back to a normal state of energy levels. So what are some signs that you might be in a hyper arousal place, fight or flight? Some physical signs are shaking, tension in the body, but also racing thoughts intrusive thoughts, just the mind cannot stop going, 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 hypervigilance, even paranoia when it's really extreme, obsessive behaviors, obsessive thoughts, feeling really impulsive, intense anger or rage, intense defensiveness, being easily triggered by things happening around you, things people are saying, highly emotionally reactive, These are all some different signs that you might be in a state of hyper arousal. I want to get into now the signs of hypo arousal, which are things like what we talked about before. There's an absence of sensation in your body. Maybe someone does brush up against you or you bump into something and there's just not a lot of sensation in your body. Very low energy, fatigue, a sense of feeling like life isn't totally real, kind of like head in the clouds, but also just you're going through life like, is this really happening right now? It's difficult to defend yourself when when you're in a conversation with someone and your mind just goes completely blank. Very poor memory, impeded speech, feelings of shame or feeling just completely shut down inside, not being able to say no, going into maybe more of that fawn response, that staring blankly into space, the dissociation, the lethargy that can come with that. So again, all different signs of hyper and hypo arousal states. And so the question we can all ask ourselves is, Which of these two states do I find myself in most often? And from what I've seen and experienced with myself as well and with clients is we all tend to have one primary state that we go into when we are thrown out of our window of tolerance. We tend to have one primary state that we go into, I'd say probably 80 to 90% of the time. And so if we are able to identify, wow, 90% of the time when something happens that throws me out of my window of tolerance, I go into a fight or flight response, which is that hyper arousal. I get that, that flustered, that angry, that like built up tension inside of me or vice versa, looking at our behaviors and oh, 80 to 90% of the time, I actually find myself in that hypo arousal state. So this is key here, because once we identify which state do I go into, 
then we can start to go, okay, here are some very specific things I can do when I am in that place to bring me back to equilibrium, to bring me back within my window of tolerance much, much quicker rather than if I were to just not do anything or do just really generic things that maybe aren't so targeted for that specific stress state. So what are these? I'm going to start with the hyper arousal again, the fight or flight responses. And when we're looking at, okay, what can I do when I'm in this place to help restore calm and composure, safety and peace much quicker? We want to kind of give ourselves almost the opposite of that state we're in. So hyper arousal is an excess of energy. And so we want to be doing things that slow us down a little bit. Whereas with hypo arousal, it's an, a lack of energy. And so we want to do things that actually lift us up a little bit and give us a little bit more energy. So with hyper arousal, coming back to that fight or flight, think things like a slow walk, slow, soothing music, not fast, upbeat, boom, boom, boom music. Slow breath work. Ice baths are really, really amazing. Even a foot ice bath, which is something I've been doing recently, can be wonderful rather than a full body submersion. Emotional release through things like crying, maybe a little bit of shouting into a pillow to get that initial burst of energy out. Tuning into the sensations of the body. Going on a grounding walk outside with bare feet a warm shower. So these are some of the different options. And again, what I want to reiterate here is the slowness and the intention to them. I think so often, especially with these hyper arousal states, think just like anxiety. Oh, I've got so much anxiety. It's that like tapping of the leg up and down, up and down. (laughs) Um, And sometimes when we're in those states, we want to just be go, 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 go. We want to put upbeat music on. We want to always have something going in the background, whether it's music, TV, um, be on the phone. We we always want to fill the silence with something. Or when we're out and about, we're just like almost sprint walking everywhere we go. And that's like that body, all of that hyper arousal energy there. And so what we want to do to give the brain and the nervous system these signals that actually we're safe we don't need to be in this place right now is to intentionally slow things down, even though the body may want to be like sprinting through things. And I find myself in this place sometimes, although for me, hypo arousal is my sort of go-to state of being when I'm in a stressed place. But I have noticed on occasion that when I'm in a hyper arousal place with that anxiety and that anxiousness, and I will go out for a walk to try and defuse some of that, I'll notice that in the beginning, I'm walking so fast and it's really not that soothing. And then when I notice that, I'll be able to go, okay, hold on, I need to slow this down here and I'll intentionally walk really slow and calm, usually bring in some really slow, deep breathing. And I have to say, when I switch to that, I notice myself coming down so quickly from that place of hyper arousal. So those are some options to try for you. I also want to just really highlight the music piece because I think this is another one that a lot of us get wrong really often when we're in that anxious state 
and we're listening to really upbeat music that is super, super high tempo. And it's honestly just kind of keeping us in that stressed state rather than putting on some slower tempo, maybe just instrumental music in the background. Think like coffee shop jazz. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you'll know this is literally my MO is having some kind of slow coffee shop jazz in the background or some kind of scenic landscape video in YouTube with some really gentle piano music or meditation music. But the thing is, so many of us are in a state of hyper arousal, a fight or flight so often. And so especially at work, especially if we are working from home, it's so simple to be able to put something that's really soothing on in the background that isn't going to actually continue to agitate that hyper arousal. Okay, moving on to hypo arousal. So again, remember, think the opposite. Hypo arousal, we're really low energy. We're super lethargic. We're groggy. We're kind of feeling dissociated from life. And so what we want to do is actually bring the the beat and the uplifting stuff in. So maybe a little bit more uplifting music rather than the super slow stuff, bringing in something that has maybe a little bit more of a tempo. Now, let's not get crazy with it, okay? (laughs) But something with maybe a little bit more of a tempo to get us up and going again. A little bit more active physical movement It could be a faster walk, but I'm also thinking things like dancing, maybe some rebounding on a rebounder trampoline, some rocking back and forth, some shaking of the body, breath work, but breath work that gets our heart rate up just a little bit. Something that what comes to mind is the Wim Hof breathing videos on YouTube, because those are honestly our borderline like workouts. They really can get you going and get that oxygen into your brain and your body and really wake you up. So a little bit more active breath work. Getting outside in the sun. For someone who is in a very, very intense state of hypo arousal, getting outside and walking might be like a very energetic thing for you to do. For someone who maybe is inside all day long, on the couch, at the desk, in a very, very depressive state, something like a simple slow walk outside might be enough to just kind of get things going. So certainly we all need to see what fits and what resonates. A big thing here is if after doing it, you feel totally depleted, then that was definitely too much. But most of these are very simple, basic things that hopefully aren't going to deplete us, but rather kind of lift us up, give us a pep in our step. And two other great ones for hypoarousal states, again, freeze or fawn states, are completing really simple tasks. Again, because sometimes we're so dissociated, it feels like I cannot get anything done. Everything feels overwhelming. Everything feels just too big to even do. Getting that ball rolling very slowly with some really, really simple things like washing the dishes, doing the laundry, hang, or maybe not, maybe not even that, that might be too much. Maybe just hanging a couple shirts up, putting some clothes away, picking up a couple things around the house, really simple things that you can be like, boom, I did that. That's done. Okay, here we go. I can do one more thing, little things like that. And then the last thing that I want to add here that is, I think really, really fun is 
get on YouTube, get on, get on somewhere and watch some funny videos. Watch something that's going to get you laughing, that's going to get you kind of bright and happy and uplifted again, because that is going to do so much to pick us up as well. There's a couple final things that I want to note here that can be great for either state that you're in. And the first one is a a technique, a modality that I have talked about often. I use myself often and I have some podcast interviews and blog posts on that I'll link in the show notes, but it's EFT or emotional freedom technique or otherwise known as tapping. This is a great one because you can really tailor it to whatever state you're in. And if you go on YouTube, there are literally hundreds of guided tapping exercises. So if you're in that hyper arousal state, maybe do a tapping meditation for anxiety, for any one of those things. But if you're in a more hypo arousal state, vice versa, find a tapping meditation for depression, for lethargy. This one is super, super great for either states. The other one that I want to hone in on here is sunshine and grounding. And if you're not familiar with the term grounding, this is just when you are putting your skin in contact with the surface of the earth. Now, I want to be clear here. The surface of the earth can be concrete. It can be dirt. It can be grass, sand, walking on the beach. But there are many studies showing that grounding is wonderful for inflammation, for lowering cortisol, and it can be very, very soothing and resetting for the body. And the second one there is the sunshine. Look, sunshine is imperative just as human beings on this planet, and most of us are not getting enough of it. Getting that sunshine is going to affect hormone productions like serotonin, It's going to support our ability to regulate ourselves. It is so, so critical to so many different aspects of health. And so that's why I wanted to include that as something that is going to be beneficial no matter what state you're in. I always love to combine things as much as possible. So for me, very often, I like to ground and get my sunshine at the same time. And if I can walk while doing it, even better. I have my Earthrunners grounding sandals, so that is usually the trio combination that I like to use. I put on my Earthrunner sandals, which have special copper laces so that you are actually able to ground even when you're walking. Typical shoes are not, don't let the Earth's energy come through them. They block that beneficial grounding energy. So I love my Earthrunners, but then I'll do that. I'll get outside for a walk with my grounding sandals and I'm getting my sunshine at the same time. And if you want to throw in some breath work while you're doing it, even better. But if that's too much to start with, guys, literally go sit outside on the concrete in your backyard or on the grass in your backyard or on the grass at your local park. Just sit there, maybe do some breath work, but you're getting your sunshine, you're getting your grounding. And there's really no excuse to not be able to do this because All three of these things are free. The sun, the grounding, and the walking. Okay, the last thing that I really want to hone in on here, and I think this is so important to talk about, is absolutely we can do these exercises when we go into these states. We can absolutely do exercises and use techniques that are going to help return us to our window of tolerance, back to that place of calm and composure. And we can even do daily practices, even when we're not in a stress state, 
like a daily meditation practice, daily journaling, counseling, all these different things to help us diffuse some of our energy, help us process some of our feelings, help us keep a sense of peace. And those can certainly help regulate a a dysregulated nervous system to an extent. But what I really want to hone in on here is that I do firmly believe that at some point we need to be asking the question, what caused this dysregulation in the first place? We need to identify that and then we need to ask, has that original wound or trigger or event been thoroughly dealt with and resolved within my mind and body? Because if not, I think we can do all of the breath work and all of the meditation until the cows come home. But that because that core wound, because that experience has gone unresolved, because those things are continuing to be repressed, the nervous system is going to continue to be dysregulated to a certain extent. The body and the mind demand to be heard. And the imagery that I like to, that I see in my mind when I'm thinking about this topic and sometimes explaining it to clients is, let's say, for example, there was a trauma as an early child and that was a big factor in our nervous system dysregulation. And it's something that we've never fully looked at, processed and released, right? But here's our adult self. Let's say that inner child is still there within us, sort of simmering in those hurts, in those wounds. Our adult self is trying to come in and go, oh no, we're safe, we're good, we're good, it's okay. We're doing all this meditation, we're doing all this EFT tapping, everything's good. But there's that inner child who experienced that initial wound, who's still going, but you still haven't listened to me. You still haven't asked me what's wrong. You still haven't let me share the feelings I experienced from this event or from this chronic chronic time in my life. And that part of us will demand to be heard until we finally listen to it. This is so key because it's wonderful to integrate these practices into our daily lives, to integrate things like meditation, like EFT, like long walks, whatever it may be. But if you, if we're getting to a place where it feels like I am dependent now on this practice, if I don't meditate today, I'm going to be a crazy person or or something like that, right? Now, all we've done is just become dependent on this thing. And it's wonderful that maybe we're dependent on something like meditation versus something like alcohol, but it's still a dependency. And my goal for myself and for clients is that we're not dependent on anything really. Now, of course, we wanna have those daily practices, but again, we wanna feel like, oh, if for whatever reason I had to miss a day, two days, maybe even a week of meditation, I still can remain in my window of tolerance. But if it's at a place where it's like, I cannot not do this thing or I am out of my window of tolerance in two seconds. Again, that's a sign that there's some deeper issues still causing nervous system dysregulation. And I do believe that very, very often it is experiences from the past, experiences from childhood, but also significant experiences in adulthood 
significant wounding, maybe even emotional wounding from parents, from family members, physical wounding. Also, right, trauma isn't just abuse in the household, emotional neglect, etc. It can also be going to war. It could also be a medical injury or a car accident, different things like this that can certainly be causes of dysregulation in the, ner- in the nervous system. And on top of that, we have our present day lives. So those are the questions we want to be asking. What in my present day life might be contributing to this dysregulation? Am I overbooking? Do I, do I not set boundaries? Do I overextend myself? Do I let people take advantage of me often? Am I nourishing my body? Am I getting adequate sleep? So there can certainly be things about present day environment that are contributing to dysregulation. And there can certainly be things from our past that were key factors in the dysregulation in the first place. And all of that needs to be looked at. And when looking at some of those deeper core wounds, core adverse experiences, core traumatic experiences, that's when we want to start to bring in more extensive support like Evox therapy, like counseling therapy, psychologists, EMDR, etc. There's any number of wonderful supportive things like that that can help us do some of that deeper processing that maybe we have a lot of trepidation about right now. So I hope this was helpful. The questions for you to kind of sit with over this, you know, after listening to this are, what is the main stress state that I find myself in? Is it that hyper arousal or hypo? Once you identify that, can you jot down a list of some of those things I shared of, okay, here are some of the things I can do when I'm in that place. And I think it's really helpful to write it down. For a lot of us, it means putting it in our phone so that the next time you find yourself in that state, pull out your phone, pull out that list and go, okay, which of these things can I do right now to help bring myself back into that window of tolerance, to help give my body and my mind signs that I'm safe, I don't need to be in this state anymore, etc. As always, thank you so, so much for tuning in. I cannot wait for some of the conversations coming your way in December. I am so excited for this holiday season and I hope you all are too. So until next week, thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful weekend.